All righty, everybody. Good morning, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And we are fresh off a national championship game in college basketball. Unfortunately, uh, Gonzaga's magical season came to an end. Um, and like clockwork, the New York Mets, who resumed uh, playing baseball after their COVID cancellation, um, once again blew a Jacob deGrom start. So uh, all, all, all is normal in the world. Wiz, good morning. How are you? Yeah, doing uh, doing well, and you know it's um, this time of the year where college basketball winds down, baseball is starting, and uh, you know in just a matter of three weeks or so, uh, the NFL draft will be upon us, and then you know when we start getting into those months, we start with the OTAs, and uh, and uh, as it gets closer to the season starting, that's always uh, an exciting time, and uh, and. You know, the way I look at it, there's not much in the off season. If you look at free agent signings and drafts and OTAs and all of that, you know, you have to stay on top of this. That's what we're doing, and that's what we're trying to help other people do as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've talked, and there's very little turnaround here. Like the Super Bowl ends, and boom, it's time to start looking at things, draft needs, and we're going to get into that today uh, as we begin our series in that, in, in that respect. You know, I've always looked at this week in sports as being one of my most favorite weeks in sports. you got the baseball season starting, the NCAA championship. we got the Masters this weekend. Um, you know, so... Really good, really good stuff. We got spring in the air here in the uh, in the Northeast, which is which is nice to feel for a change. Uh, things are starting to open up a little bit more. It was pretty wild seeing forty uh, odd thousand people uh, at the Texas Rangers uh, opening day baseball game in Texas, but uh, but nonetheless that was the case, and we're going to have more stadiums filled with fans in the NFL this year. So excited to kind of see how things progress. And and I think this is going to be a more normal year for football where there's going to be off-season programs, uh, things like that. Now, granted, we don't have the normal draft preparation and that they're not doing a combine this year. But nonetheless, I think a more normal football season last year, uh, like nothing we've ever seen. And, uh, you know, you mentioned getting prepared and, and things kind of moving along. And, and boom, yesterday, big, big news and We've been tracking the Deshaun Watson story for some time now. Uh, we've kind of shared our opinions about where we think that's going and not a good direction. And And David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers were impacted by this by more than any other team in football. And lo and behold, and this was starting to get leaked out a little bit, that maybe they would be looking at a, a guy like Sam Darnold. Uh, and yes, Teddy Bridgewater is still under contract there, but you know that's not going to last very long in terms of his staying in Carolina, especially with the number of quarterbacks that they have on that roster. But Sam Darnold became a Carolina Panther yesterday. David David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers move forward. Now, we are very excited about Joe Brady, Matt Rule, the head coach. We think this team came on last year on the defensive side of the ball, young defense. We know they lost Curtis Samuel, but there's tremendous weaponry still here. So, Wiz, can Sam Donald resurrect his career under this coaching staff? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think uh, he, there's, there's a lot to like about that situation. Uh, and then one other thing that um, you didn't mention that I know you're going to start thinking about as we get closer is he's going to be throwing the ball back to his favorite target. Robbie <laughs> And one of your favorite wide receivers in the NFL, Robbie Anderson. So that's interesting. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to the uh, NFC and uh, and uh, and that and that division uh, soon. But yeah, it was an interesting trade. So the way I looked at it, I, I thought 
Sam Donald was probably going to get a second or third round value in terms of a team that was going to play and make a trade. And basically, that's what it was. I mean, if you average it out, a second, a fourth, and a sixth, you know, in an average, it comes to basically a fourth round pick. But the way um, the the draft picks worked out, I, I think that the Jets mentally had moved on from Sam Donald. Uh, this mo- this coaching staff had no connection to Sam Donald, uh, and they decided to move on. Uh, but there is no experience in that Jets quarterback room at this point. Uh, so we were talking about this yesterday a little bit, and uh, I think we both feel that the Jets are going to assign a veteran quarterback to, to get into that quarterback room because, wow, they're – their situation is extremely, uh, you know, interesting at quarterback where they're going to have the keys to the kingdom to a rookie quarterback with really no experience to help him. Yeah, and, and that's always a tricky situation, right? It's tricky for the guy who's doing the mentoring, if that's in fact the case, if the, if the young quarterback is not prepared to take over right away. Now, you and I both think it's going to be Zach Wilson, who's going to be the quarterback for the New York Jets this year. But again, you know, we don't know how that kind of evolves, it, it, you know, when they start spring workouts and, and in preseason. I don't know. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is most likely going to not be a Carolina Panther. Uh, it'll be interesting if he, in fact, ends up being that veteran quarterback. I don't know. Could be a guy like Nick Foles. We know that a lot of chairs got filled in the offseason with Mariota staying for the Raiders, obviously Dalton moving to the Bears. So there's not as many guys out there. I guess the one interesting guy that is not signed right now, who was a starting quarterback last year uh, for part of the season in the NFL, and that's Alex Smith. So, you know, we are running out of of veteran quarterbacks, but I think you need to to have a veteran guy there who's actually willing to embrace that role, somewhat like Ryan Fitzpatrick has been able to do with the Miami Dolphins last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, you know, I I, I get, you know, I I spoke to a few Jet fans uh, yesterday and, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater thing, but you got to remember that the Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater on the contract. If he was going to be part of that deal, he would have been part of that deal yesterday. I mean, right? They could have they could have worked out Bridgewater in some part of that trade, uh, and then you know, adding draft picks in there some way. So I think the Jets at this point don't want this thing to be so complicated. I think they want to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going with Zach Wilson. He's going to take some bumps and bruises along the way, and we're going to bring in a veteran uh, at some point. To, to to be there. I mean, Josh McCown was what the Jets did for had for Sam Donald. So someone along those lines where the guy will be in the quarterback room that could come in there and I guess in a situation play a game or two if he had to, but really be more of a mentor and help with the experience. And uh, I agree, agree completely. The quarterback that fits all of those would be Alex Smith. Yeah, he ticks all he ticks all of those boxes, and you know he was very serviceable uh, last year when he got in there. You know, coming off that devastating injury, so so we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that and, and see what happens. But uh, yeah, and, and I guess that kind of morphs into what this podcast is going to be about, and and, and we're going to start really getting into draft needs, and 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 given the free agent period has basically come to an end, there's a few guys that are kind of stragglers at the moment, but most of the skill set positions have been determined. But Wiz and I thought we'd start to walk through each of the divisions 
and, and, and look to see, you know, the needs of e- each team in each division. So we're going to do it division by division. And I guess, you know, given that, you know, we're talking about Sam Darnold in this situation, we thought the best place to kind of start is in the AFC East. So uh, that's what we're going to do with this podcast today. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking about this and, you know, you wouldn't have said this uh, as, you know, for the last five years or the last 10 years because of the Patriots' dominance. But I feel, looking at this, the AFC East, if they're not one of them, if they're not the most compelling division in the NFL, that's certainly one of where you feel like, you know, to use like a Discovery Channel uh, analogy, like you feel like the Patriots are this aging lion who is like, you know, been the king of of uh, of of the of, of the of this group for a, for a long time, and now you know you have these up and coming teams like the Bills and the Dolphins who are just on the verge of overtaking that lion and becoming the ruler themselves. And the question is, with the Patriots and these, uh, you know, these these free agent signings that they did, as soon as, you know, they, they became available, they spent more money this, this offseason than they had in the last few years combined. Can the Patriots hold those two teams off? And we're going to get into that. So which team uh, specifically would you like to talk about first? Yeah, so, you know, I, let's, I think let's start with the Patriots because they've been the most interesting. You, you've mentioned their dominance over the year, uh, over the years in this division. Uh, I, I, I agree with your statement, by the way, that this is an extremely compelling division. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if if you told me the Jets actually won this won this division. Would I be completely shocked? I think I'd be most shocked actually if the Jets did because I think they've got the most work to do here, and a lot of that will depend on what happens at the quarterback position. But I think you know the Patriots have made a lot of moves. I think they have one key move left to make, and and, and that's kind of where I think we should start. They brought in you know they capitalized on on what took place in the off season. They had a lot of money to put to work. They really did that on the defensive side of the football more than any. They did add a couple of wide receivers who I would call pedestrian overall, not guys that would get you super excited. I think if, I think the big thing that's missing here too that a lot of people need to make sure they understand is the number of players that they have coming back who opted out last year I think is quite key here. But, but the New England Patriots have made it a point that right now they want to make a statement uh, and they want to say, you know what, last year was last year, but we're getting ready to get back on that train. So let's let's start with the New England Patriots, Wiz. And, and, you know, a lot of speculation about the quarterback position. We know they signed Cam Newton, but the Patriots are going to go for a young quarterback in this draft. The question is, can they move up to get somebody? And if they are unable to do that, what does that mean for the, for the Patriots at the quarterback position if they're able to take anybody in that first round? Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, the Patriots did a lot of work in in the offseason. I mean, there were two top-tier tight ends that were available, Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith, and they signed them both. And they felt their receivers were were, were, were basically, you know, non-existent. And what did they do? They, they, they signed uh, Kendrick Bourne and Aguilar. Now, are those two guys, you know, top 10 or 15 or 20 guys? Probably not. I mean, but... There's certainly an upgrade of what they had. Um, you know, it's always, I guess, difficult when you have to eat a big plate of humble pie. But, 
you know, when you take Nikhil Harry and then you're basically, he's on the, you know, the, 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 the edge of being released or not making the roster, that's a big plate of humble pie that you have to eat. But you've drafted terrible at, at that position for a number of years. And, you know, so they, they, they tried to patch it up with the free agent signings. They they got probably the prized possession of Matthew Judan. And and somehow they were able to get Kyle Van Noy back from the Dolphins and Jalen Mills. I like that signing as well from the Eagles. So and 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 we know that they they have some good players as well. Even though like Gilmore is on the last year of his contract, and we'll get to that. But I agree, they have got to have a quarterback. I'm dubious of Cam Newton. I know you are as well. I do not think that's the answer. I I believe the Patriots feel that that's not the answer. His contract is such that, you know, he, he's not getting a contract where he's guaranteed to be the starter. So, boy, if they can land Justin Fields in this draft, then we have something there with the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. But I like the surrounding cast. I certainly like their defense, the Patriots. But can they score enough points to match those other teams is the question. Yeah, and you know it's so funny. Like uh, last week, there was a report um, that I don't, I don't know, I forgot where I saw it, but uh, you know, Kraft was kind of talking about draft results, and, and you and I have been uber critical of, of specifically at the receiver position where where uh, Belichick has really been unable to kind of draft any kind of talent. Um, you know, he's done well in free agency, bringing guys in like Welker and signing guys like Edelman, but but in the draft they've had no success and. And then this morning, I was reading that um, Albert Breer had mentioned that they they want. Uh, I guess the scouts on the on New England wanted to take guys like AJ Brown um, and uh, Debo Samuel ahead of Nikhil Harry, and uh, I, I guess Belichick overruled that. So yeah, they've got work to do at receiver. Um, you know, Aguilar had a great season last year. I think Kendrick Bourne has got a little bit of a nose for the end zone, but he's not going to be a guy. That's going to be carrying an offense in any way, shape, or form. So, so I think they'll probably look to add some receiver help somewhere in this draft, not necessarily in that first round. As you mentioned, the quarterback is a big deal. They've lost one of the McCourty brothers. So, and you mentioned Gilmore. So, the defensive backfield still probably needs some work. I know they did draft Kyle Duggar last year. Duggar actually ended up playing more offense, uh, defensive snaps at at kind of like a pseudo linebacker than he did in, in in the defensive backfield. So, it'll be interesting. But I think. You know, it starts with quarterback. I think they can add a receiver somewhere in this draft and still kind of filling in parts in the defense, both in the defensive secondary and at linebacker. That's where I think the Patriots are going to lean to in this particular draft. Yeah, I think they need a quarterback. I think I think where it's going to get interesting for the Patriots is one of those quarterbacks, Trey Lance and or um, Trey Lance or Justin Fields are going to either one or both of those players will be there. Certainly as we start getting the picks nine and, you know, the Broncos then have an interesting decision what to do, but I could see a trade up by the Patriots to move up a few spots. If, if one or both of those quarterbacks and they, you know, it should be at least one of those quarterbacks start becoming available as it gets close to picks nine or 10 or something like that. So I think that's a key for them. I just think like they haven't drafted well. And, uh, and the last thing I'll say about the Patriots you know, is this when Bill Belichick looks at a wide receiver and a scout is telling him that he likes, you know, um, 
another receiver better, and Bill Belichick has his receiver written down, he should take that pencil off his ear and use the eraser mark and erase the guy that he likes and put the other guy there. That's what he should do. <laughs> so I will say, you know, looking at potential trade partners for the Patriots, and especially as as some trades have taken place and, and on all that, and, and, and given the fact that other teams have certain needs here, I, I guess the first place where the Patriots would probably attempt to knock on a door is with Atlanta at number four. Uh, the, you know, and, and it was mentioned yesterday that Atlanta is fielding calls for, for that particular um, for draft pick. Is that, you know, do you think, can you see a scenario where the Patriots actually move that high? Or do you think it's kind of somewhere just a little bit higher where they're currently drafting? Yeah, I think the Patriots are probably looking at this thing and they probably feel very confident that Bengals at five, um, Dolphins at six, Lions at seven, um, and um, and uh, and at eight is now the uh, wait. Who's picking it? The uh, Ca- Carolina picks eight. Carolina at eight. Yeah, not going to take a quarterback, right? So now you start getting into the area where the Broncos and the Giants pick, and I, I think that that's more likelihood because a fifteen to four move up is just not something that typically you see New England do. Where they're going to have to give a a fair amount of their future equity up and uh it's just something that they're not likely to do but moving to from 15 to 9 or 10 or or even a trade with the giants i can see that one happening so we'll have to look out for that but i yeah i think the, the patriots um really need to get one of those guys where they could score some points to compete against uh Miami and the Bills. Uh, and you mentioned the Bills, so that's that's the team I wanted to segue into next. And the Bills won the division last year. Josh Allen had a tremendous season. The acquisition of uh, Stephon Diggs was, was quite big. They have two really impact defenders on this team because when they're not on the field, it certainly takes down the rest of the defense. That's Tredavious White in the defensive secondary, Matt Milano at linebacker. Um, so we know that the Buffalo Bills struggled to run the football and they basically used their passing game with guys like Cole Beasley as their rushing game. So how are you looking at the Bills at this point in time? You know, it was interesting. I also read something where I had the Bills defense in a couple of leagues, and and they disappointed last year. The Bills blitzed the ninth most in the NFL last year, but they were ranked 23rd in sacks. So... Uh, you know they not they didn't necessarily get to the quarterback a lot. They've they've lost a couple of those kind of ancillary guys that that actually got some sacks and they've aged a little bit on defense. For me, I think that an edge rusher is probably a a big spot for the Bills in terms of filling that need. Uh, Espinosa has not really done what was kind of thought he could do last year. He was struggling with injuries. Uh, I mentioned running back. Uh, do you see any other place where the, the where the Bills can go? Do you think I'm on the right path here in terms of where I think they need to fill those spots uh, for the upcoming draft? Well, I mean, let's look at what the Bills have in running back. You know, two years ago, they draft Singletary. Then they don't seem like they're you know completely convinced that he's going to be their workhorse guy. Then they draft Zach Moss last year. These are pretty early, you know, high picks that they're using until those running backs. They, then they, I guess, they didn't, they didn't love that combination. They wanted to get a little more speed. They signed Matt Breida, who certainly gives them speed. Not, not, not much in the way of durability, though. So, <clears throat> I think the Bills are going to be resigned to trying to hope that between that committee of those three guys that they could get some semblance of the run game, their offensive line was elite blocking, you know, on passes, but very average on runs. 
And um, it looks like with the current roster, and they have three great route runners with the signing of Emmanuel Sanders. So you have Beasley, you have Sanders, and you have Diggs. And, mean, and Gabriel Davis is there. And there's the fourth guy, and they, they still have McKenzie, I believe. So yep. their receiving core is stacked with great route runners, and they're going to be throwing the ball all over the place. But I don't think not much has changed with them in terms of their running game. And what do you do? You spent a fairly early pick two years ago. You spent another high pick last year. You sign a free agent and breeder. Do you go back again? I mean, I, I, I agree that A.J. Ebenezer was banged up. I, I like the way he was kind of playing towards the end of the year. I think he could be improved second year. So, but I agree. Guys like Jerry Hughes, I mean, some of these guys in the defense are getting up there in age. So I agree. Get a, get someone an edge rusher and get after the passer is something they need. But um, and they and by the way, they probably need some secondary help. Josh Norman is done, right? I mean, he's finished. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think offensively, I don't think their philosophy, offensively, I, I just don't feel their philosophy is, is going to change much. I just think they're going to be throwing the ball over the park. Um, you know, they got Sanders. They, they have five, you know, they, they have explosiveness, great route runners and receiver, a quarterback who wants to throw it 40 times a game. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a fun party for the Bills offense. And uh, as far as the running game goes, good luck trying to figure that out and just trying to figure out when Zach Moss is going to get a touchdown, when Singletary is going to catch five passes, when Breed is going to break off a 70-yard run. Those things are going to happen. But for fantasy football owners, good luck trying to decipher that one. Yeah, and it's not well. Look, I think I think they're kind of set on offense in terms of skill set positions as well. They have uh, Dawson Knox. They brought in um, uh, Hollister from Seattle. So I think the focus is going to be on the defensive side and perhaps you know a little bit more on that offensive line. But uh, yeah, look, it's still a very formidable team. It's a, it's a solid roster. Uh, so you know, I, I think Bills the Bills are in good shape to defend their title certainly. Uh, but we'll see what they can add to the mix. All right, let's let's go to the Jets here. Uh, um, Jets have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft. They have two in the first round. We've, we've talked a lot about this draft for both the Dolphins and, and the Jets in terms of the number of picks that they have. Um, you know, the Jets have needs across the board. Um, you know, I think, you know, look, they're going to bring in a veteran like like Tevin Coleman in that backfield. They'll mix him in with, with Ty Johnson uh, and, and the guy they drafted last year in Pirine. Um you know they've added they added Lawson as an edge rusher, but you know this team definitely needs work on multiple things. Still, I think you know when you look at the Jets, they're they're a team that's obviously needed in need of a quarterback, so they're going to make that pick with the second pick in the draft. But where do you think they go from there? Was on a team that basically, outside of the receiver position, really needs help all over the place. Yeah, I mean, first you know, so let's let's talk about the good. Their receiving core is deep and it's talented. Um, Denzel Mims, you could just see, you know, when when he was overcame the injuries and got out to play, he he could make some big plays. He's a great, you know, fifty fifty ball type guy. He showed that last year, and he's going to get many many more opportunities. And um, I I like those two signings. I think Corey Davis can have an opportunity to finally, you know, break out of that situation with Tennessee. We're more of a running team, and he could be more involved. And I'm not sure what happened to him. He had a great first half of the year or first few games, and then uh, 
he, he really tailed off after that. And Keelan Cole is a good receiver. And then when you add Jamison Crowder in that mix, completely agree. Their wide receiver in core is deep and it's good. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they signed one of the prized possessions to get, and, 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 you know, to get after the quarterback in Carl Lawson. So they did that. They have an absolute young stud in Queen Williams, who's going to be, you know, an all-pro player, I think, in the middle. And they signed Sheldon Rankings. I mean, this is, this is what the coach wants to do. This is what his specialty is, is defense, that defensive line. And uh, I, I like the Jets and what they've done. The question is, I'm not sure Zach Wilson would not be better served if he could sit for a year and watch. And I know when you're drafting somebody with a number two pick, it's difficult to do that. But boy, you know, when you have a lot of young players around you and a first time coach and a first time offensive coordinator, boy, it's difficult for all of that to be going on simultaneously. And you would have liked Zach Wilson to maybe watch some games from the sidelines before he got in there. But it looks like, you know, they're going to throw him out there and, uh, and we're going to see what happens. But I think the, the, the most difficult thing for the Jets is they are in the same division with two of the best young rosters in the entire National Football League and the Dolphins and the Bills. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky spot. I agree. It's a very tricky spot. But I think – and what do you think about running back? Do you think potentially they can add another back, or do you think they're going to kind of work with those three guys uh, for this coming season? No, I think I, – I think – I think that they will, you know, they would take they would take a back if somebody that they loved um, with their second pick was available. Um, you know, I, I could see them. You know, well, you have a, you're going to start a rookie quarterback, so the first thing you start thinking about is offensive line. You want to shore that up. Uh, Beckton was a home run. I'm sure they love to hit another home run with somebody. So, I think that the Jets are looking probably, you know, their three needs are offensive line. Like you mentioned in that secondary, and uh, and then uh, a running back, and probably in that order, or maybe um, secondary, you know, and then and then first, and then and then see what happens with the offensive lineman. But they'll take the best player available. But I agree that those are the spots that they need to work on. And to answer your question, I do think they will add somebody on at running back in this draft. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's go to the last team in this division, and that's the Dolphins. And, and Dolphins have eight picks. They have four picks in the first fifty, I believe, in this draft. Uh, young quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. That's that's their guy now. They've de- kind of determined that with this kind of step back in the draft that they did, uh, moving moving from the third spot with that trade with the San Francisco 49ers and then trading with the Eagles to move back to six. So so the big question is here now, Wiz, and you've talked about a, a little bit already about that kind of four, five, six draft picks. What are the Dolphins going to look for? So we, we've read a little bit about Penny Sewell dropping in this draft. You know, is that the direction that they could potentially go in? Do they? Because I think at the receiving core, when I look at Devontae Parker, uh, Preston Williams, who got hurt early last year, they've signed Will Fuller. They got the kid Lynn Bowden Jr., who actually stepped in and helped out when they were very shorthanded. It's intriguing to see which direction they can go in here. I know they have Mike Kosicki. We've talked a lot about Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, the number one receiver, and Penny Sewell being the best 
alignment in this draft. And you want to protect a young commodity like Tua. So what are the Dolphins going to do? The Dolphins at running back, you know, they brought in Malcolm Brown, who's a veteran. They had the two young kids last year, Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, who were very serviceable when they played. I still think you know, the Dolphins losing Kyle Van Noy, who was kind of a leader on this defense, that leaves a little bit of a hole. So it, it's interesting. The Dolphins have little needs here and there. I don't particularly think it's at receiver, actually. But, you know, I, I know there's a lot of speculation on this particular pick, especially with all the talent available. So what are the Dolphins going to do? I, I think they probably need help. Like I said, on they, last year they drafted two offensive linemen early. You're still trying to build that line to protect your young quarterback, like I said. Linebacking core, you got to fill the need for Van Noy. Do they keep the running back situation, and do they go for a receiver? Yeah, so I'll get to the players in a second. I, I first want to talk about the trades because it's important. I love I love the maneuvering they did with the trades. So essentially what the Dolphins ended up doing, their net result is they moved from the third pick to the sixth pick, and they ended up net with a third-round pick and a 2023 first round pick but the trade with the eagles to me is the most interesting part of it because they moved up to six by moving up to six they know what one two and three are doing for sure quarterback 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 so they have an offensive player or two in mind that by moving to six they feel comfortable both but there's something that is so interesting about the trade that they made with the Eagles. They gave up in that trade a 2022 first-round pick. And they could have given their first-round pick or the 49ers' first-round pick, which they attained through the trade first with the 49ers. And what did they do? They traded their first-round pick. And you know what that tells me? They are all in. They are betting on themselves, and I absolutely love it. Very rarely do you get an, get, an, get to see what a team really feels about their organization, but if you look in between the lines and you look at these trades closely, they feel, number one, that they're going to have a better record than the 49ers, which is saying something for a team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago and is considered to be one of the best rosters in football. They are betting on themselves. I love that. And I feel the reason they moved back into six, they want Jamar Chase. Um, they want that player. Who can tell the, 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 the I, I mean, a Dolphins are talking about. I mean, I think the, the, the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase. But I think the Dolphins are going to take one of their, one of the receivers that are available. Uh, I think the Falcons are going to take Pitt, and I think the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase, and I think the Dolphins are going to take one of the Alabama receivers. And who better to know about what kind of player someone is, is in the locker room, what kind of leader is, what kind of work ethic than the quarterback who played on a championship team with those two receivers. So I think that they felt great about all four of those pass catches. They ended up with a net third round pick, a net first round pick in 2023. They bet on themselves by trading their first round pick in 2022. And they're going to take one of those two Alabama receivers with the sixth pick. You know, phenomenal points all. And it's it certainly makes for a very intriguing setup when you have Joe Burrow, in your eyes, throwing to his former receiver in Jamar Chase and Tua Tagovailoa throwing to either one of his former receivers in, in Waddle or Devonta Smith. 
Absolutely. And uh, here's the thing. An- another another thing. This is why we're like when trades are made and contracts are signing, you really have to take a minute and look at it. The Will Fuller thing is only a one-year deal. That's right. Will Fuller signed a one-year deal and figured he's young enough, and when the salary caps get get wider next year, he's going to be signing a long-term big contract and most likely not going to be signed with Miami. So Miami realizes that they have Will Fuller for a one-year rental. They need a guy that they're going to have on the contract for a few years at a rookie contract, and who better to bring in a, a receiver that has a rapport in before he even steps on the field day one with you from college. So it makes all the sense in the world logically and from a standpoint of talent. You're looking at Devontae Smith. You're looking at Waddle. I'm sure different teams have different viewpoints on those two players, but one of those two Alabama receivers are going to be on the Dolphins next year. Unless, unless... The Falcons take a quarterback or someone trades up Atlanta to take a quarterback, and then for some reason the Bengals decided to go with Pitts over Jamar Chase. I don't see that happening. So I I say right now that the Dolphins will draft one of those two Alabama receivers with their uh, sixth overall pick, and what is wonderful for them is they're picking again later in the first round. Yeah, and that's the thing. They have four picks in the top 50 in this particular draft, and they're going to come away with a, with a nice little haul just out of that and, and, and basically can address all of the different things that we talked about. They can, they can, add, a, they can add depth at running back. They can add depth at, at the, at the uh, defensive position, and they can certainly do that for, for offensive line as well, where, where, like I said, they're trying to build that up uh, to, to protect the young commodity into a tug of Viola. I can't tell you how much I love the fact that they could have treated the 49ers first round pick next year or their own first round pick next year and gave them their own first round pick next year. I can't tell you how insightful that is um, for a team to look at that and say, okay, you could have our pick. You'll be picking around 25th or 26th next year. So they're betting on themselves, and I absolutely love that. And the reason they moved back to six. Uh, moved back up to six was to um, w- w- was to get one of those skilled receivers because, like I said, all they have uh, Fuller is for a one year rental, so they need to get one of those rookie wide receivers on a rookie contract. Yep. So th- this this is the fun part of kind of assessing and analyzing, and we're going to keep doing this with all divisions, uh, you know, as we get closer to the draft, which is again not not that far away. So uh, very excited to keep talking about that. So you know, as Wiz, Wiz has mentioned before, we're going to try to bang out at least two of these a week and, and keep that pace up, uh, so that we're all prepared and you are all prepared uh, to see what happens uh, as teams uh, get closer to the NFL draft. Uh, by, by the way, Wiz, I know you you are a big Jeopardy fan as a I. Did you happen to catch Aaron Rodgers last night on Jeopardy? I, I keep that. I haven't watched it yet. Did you, did you All right. Do a good job. So, so, so I am not going to give it away then. Uh, so don't look at my TikTok as well because it'll be giving it away. I saw okay. perhaps one of the most phenomenal moments in the history of <laughs> Jeopardy and what took place last night. I'm not giving it away. I'm not going to say it. But 
when you get off this podcast with me, you got to make sure and you, you go watch. Uh, you know, I, I'll only say this. Aaron Rodgers did a very excellent job. He started off a little bit stiff. He definitely opened up. You know, he's got that kind of dry sense of humor. I, th- I thought he did a great job. But the ending of the show was fabulous. That's all I'm going to say. Make sure you watch it. And for the listeners out there that have not seen it, make sure you go look, Google it and see it. I, I, I watched it live. It was hysterical. Um, but please make sure you uh, all take a look at that. Fantastic stuff. All right. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to take this division by division and uh, talk about needs and uh, where the teams, uh, you know, basically finished up last year, what they're going to be looking at the draft and what their outlook looks like for the upcoming season. All right. Fabulous. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, I want you to enjoy the rest of this marvelous day. And uh, Wiz, we'll talk to you later in the week uh, and make sure, like I said, Watch that Aaron Rodgers Jeopardy appearance. Thank you very much, Wiz, and have yourself a good rest of the day. Do the same.